Friends, I want to speak to you this morning, uh, believe it or not, for as long for as, long as time allows. Um, I'm going to speak to you about the power of the covenant that's in your life. Uh, isn't that good news? Somebody saved last night and that convention that we were at uh, four or five weeks ago or six weeks ago, 90 people getting saved. And I was in a church, uh, uh, again, not all me, this is other churches and things that are happening and uh, and uh, 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 the other side of the country, and, uh, and 20 people accepted Jesus as their Savior. God is moving in this land of Ireland. God is moving, and he wants to move in and through us. Power of the covenant. Um, we're going to look in Genesis chapter 21, but I want to read a couple of verses from Psalm 34, if I may. And this, this is beautiful. It starts off by saying, I will bless. This is the covenant. We're talking about the covenant. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my lips. Make a decision to worship and praise him. But Psalm 34, we're going to go to Genesis in a moment. But Psalm 34, I'm going to read three things out of it. This is the covenant that you have with your Lord and your Savior. In verse 4, it says... Psalm 34 and verse 4. It says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. Can you say amen? It's the covenant that you have with the Lord. Look at verse 17. Or I beg your pardon, verse uh, 6. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him or her. This is the covenant that you have with your God. Verse 17, more familiar. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth or hears them. So the person who is seeking, verse 4, could be anybody. Verse 6, the poor person. Verse 17, more familiar, the righteous person, whether you're just seeking, whether you're poor and seeking, whether you are righteous and seeking, he hears each and every one, each and every time. This is the covenant that you have with your Savior. Whether you're somebody who seeks, just anybody, any believer, universal, A poor person, poor in spirit, poor in circumstance, poor in situation, he hears. And then the righteous. Friends, there are days, uh, believe it or not, there are days that each and every one of us feel good. And we feel that we've done something right and we're flowing with God and God's with us and he's on our side. We all say about our bad days, but we do have some good ones. Can you say amen? There's about two people smile. Can anybody else smile? We do have good days. We do have good days. There's a Christian radio station down south. I'm down there an awful lot. And uh, it's called Spirit Radio. And they have a wee slot in it during the course of the day. And it says, a positive story from the world. Instead of bad news, they report good news. Friends, we do have good days. But here's something that you must understand before we get into the meat of this. You have a covenant that whether you are just seeking him, you're, a, you're one of a million whether you're a poor person seeking and crying out to him, whether you are a righteous person and you're crying out to him on a good day, he hears every single time. 
Can you say amen? And friends, I want to look at a couple of more th- words in this psalm before we get into the meat of what we want to talk about. We'll go as far as we can go. In verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Could you shout out fears? There's a point, forgive me if you just interact as much as you feel comfortable with. Verse 17, it says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Could you shout out troubles? Then it says, in verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. Could you say afflictions? Friends, fears, troubles, and afflictions are all different. Listen carefully. This is what God hears every time. Whether you're just somebody seeking, whether you are a poor person in some shape, form, or fashion, or dimension, or whether you are a righteous person, you're on a good day. This is what He he hears you. And this is what He deals with, and this is what He hears. He hears your fears. Something that hasn't happened yet, but you're afraid will. He hears about your trouble. The fear has happened, and you're in trouble. It's happening now. And He hears about your affliction The fear came to pass, it caused trouble, and now you're afflicted. Are you with me? God hears your fears. What you don't know is coming, what you know is coming, and you're afraid will come, or it is coming, or you might be coming, or you know that's the way you talk when you're afraid. He also hears and deals with your trouble. It's here, it's real time. And he also deals and hears and delivers you from your afflictions. The fear you had has become a trouble. The trouble has hurt you, and now you're afflicted. And he says, I'll deliver you from your fear, I'll deliver you from your trouble, and I'll deliver you from your affliction. Friends, whatever whatever stage of that barometer you're on, whatever stage of the pendulum swing you're on, are you at the fear bit? Are you at the trouble bit? Or are you at the afflicted bit? God says, whether you're seeking me generally, whether you're poor and seeking me, whether you are righteous and on song and seeking me, I will hear you about your fear. I will hear everything about your trouble. I will hear everything about your affliction. I will deliver you from the fear that you think is going to get you. I'll deliver you from the trouble that you're in right now. And I'll deliver you from the pain of the trouble that's just happened. And it's hurting you and it's contorting you and pulling you down. He will hear you on every level and deliver you on every level. Can you say amen? This is the covenant that you have. And friends, allowing for the word of the Lord and allowing for what's been happening here in this church, and I can feel it in my spirit, and allowing for what's been going on, and allowing for reaching out, these are the things that you need. I now know, I now understand why the Lord wanted me to minister this. It was this and a, a, another 20 sermons, but this is the one he wanted me to minister because whenever you start to expand and move out, if you don't keep and, and, and focus on a real grasp of the covenant that you have with him, you lose your footing. It's all, you know, you lose your footing if you do nothing, and you'll lose your footing if you try to run the race. If you stand long enough, you will fall. If you run long enough, you will fall. You need God whether you're standing or running. Can you say amen? You see, it's, you've been standing, but now's the time for running. And you need the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to get too distracted. Friends, turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 20. That was Psalms. It needed to lay a foundation. The covenant that you have... The covenant that you have with your God, whether you're just seeking Him, whether you are poor, or whether you are righteous and on a good day, He hears you. 
shout out, say to somebody, mumble it in your heart, he hears me. All together, he hears me. You don't, don't get it in Donna Cloney. All together. <laughs> I'm only joking. In Genesis chapter 20, in verse 11, you know the story. And Abraham said, Abraham has come to the king. He has his wife with him. He's afraid that the king is going to, King Abimelech is going to kill him because his wife is beautiful. Um, and this is what he says in verse 11. And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place and they will slay me for my wife's sake. Listen to me carefully. We're going to stay in Genesis. No matter who you are, whether you're just seeking, whether you're poor, or whether you're righteous and on fire, he hears you. That's the covenant that we have. Your fears, your troubles, your afflictions. Abraham said in his heart, we've all done it, and if you haven't done it, don't say anything, but come and talk to me afterwards because I need to know your secret. Abraham said in his heart, surely the fear of... Abraham said in his heart, surely God isn't... And Abraham said in his heart, surely God can't help me this time. Abraham said in his heart, surely God isn't here. Surely. If I could find out who surely was, I, I don't know what, you know. Surely God is... Some people got that and some people didn't get it. And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not, not in this place. God, your covenant is not in control of Abimelech. God, your covenant is not where I am right now. It was with me a week ago before I came to Abimelech. But, and it might be with me a week from now after Abimelech. But right now, Abimelech, the covenant, does not control him. That's the decision that Abraham came to. The, he said the covenant, the relationship, everything, God, that you stand for, it cannot help me in this situation. I'm afraid. That's the process he went through. I know nobody, Donna Cloney, has ever done that. And Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place. You have a covenant. I don't know what she did. You have a covenant. No matter whether you're poor, no matter whether you are just seeking, whether you're having a good day or a bad day, he will hear you and deliver you. Abraham made a decision and he decided that the covenant that he had with his God could not be in this place. Surely God could not speak to me now. Surely God could not deliver me in this situation. Look at verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, this is to the king, he came to him in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art a dead man. I believe that God said that with a Northern Ireland accent. Seriously. How many times have you heard dead man? You're a dead man. 
There's only one way to say that, and that's with a broad Belfast accent. And God said to Abimelech, verse 3, God said to Abimelech, in a dream by night, and said to him, Behold, thou art a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she was a man's wife. Here you have, verse 11 comes after verse 3, but verse 11 and the process of it came before verse 3. Abraham has decided in his heart that God's covenant can't apply in this situation. God's covenant applied so much in this situation that not only was he in the country of Abimelech, not only was he in the county where Abimelech abode, not only was he in the palace of Abimelech, Not only was he in the household or the part of the palace that Abimelech lived, not only was God's covenant in the very rooms that Abimelech abode, not only was God's covenant in control in the very bedroom where he slept, the covenant of God was in the very brain and dreams of Abimelech the king. And so the very place where if you read verse 11, because I thought surely the fear of God cannot be in this place. Not only was the fear of God in this place, the power and the authority of God was right in the man's dreams. You have a covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no Abimelech. There is no situation. There is no fear. There is no trouble. There is no current affliction because of the trouble caused by the fear that you are in right now that his covenant isn't in complete control. Let me say it to you this way. God's covenant in your life controls everything and everyone you think it can't. God's covenant in your life controls everyone and everything you think it can't. There are things you know that God can control. And there are things that you struggle with, each and every one of us. God's covenant, your relationship with Him, your prayer to Him, your faith in Him, it controls what you know He can control and it controls what you think He could never be in control of. Those moments of fear those moments of trepidation. In Genesis chapter 21, we hear and read through the story of um, Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael at the point where Sarah has decided she doesn't want Ishmael, or she doesn't want uh, Hagar and Ishmael around anymore. And this this is a story that kind of goes off center with the covenant of God to make you and I, who are right in the center of the covenant of God, know how true that is for us. Friends, you are not part of the plan. You are the plan. He came to save you. You're not a a bolt-on or an add-on. You are the plan. The Lord Jesus Christ came to redeem you, to deliver you, and his covenant is absolute. 
And even the Abimelech, everyone in this room, everyone in this church this morning, everybody in, 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 sitting right there in front, every single one of you have Abimelechs. And I'm here to tell you that God is in charge of your Abimelech. Am I going to fulfill the call of God? Am I going to recover from this sickness? Is that fear going to come to pass? Is this trouble ever going to go away? Am I ever going to get over that affliction because of the trouble and the fear that happened in my past? He'll deliver you from it all. He is God over it all. Whether you're somebody that's just seeking him, whether you're a poor person, or whether you're having a good day, he's hearing you and delivering you. And in Genesis chapter 21, uh, we we read this story of, of Hagar and Sarah and Hagar. And you know that Ishmael was never God's first choice. You understand that. But I need you to understand how powerful the covenant of God is, even in the most, we've already alluded to it in chapter 20, but even in the most contorted and twisted family setup, one of the most contorted and twisted family setups in Scripture. One of them that would compare to this would be Joseph's family and his environment. This is a completely dysfunctional family unit, and God's covenant is working right through the middle of it all. There are problems in this family unit. You've got Abraham and Sarah. Now you've got Hagar and Ishmael. And uh, I'm not, my wife's not here, so I can be brave. You know, gentlemen, ladies, forget I've said this. Gentlemen, one wife's enough. Men, you, or ladies, you didn't hear that. You know, this man has got two ladies under the same roof. One that's his wife and is God's plan and one that isn't and it shouldn't have happened. So he's got, and he's got a situation where uh, Hagar is feeling vulnerable and she's passed that on to Ishmael and Ishmael is mocking everything to do with, 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 with the real promise, the, the Sarah's son Isaac and there's all sorts of in, intermingling and, 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 and aggravation and hurt and, and twisting and turning. There's rejection, there's isolation, there's desperation and we'll see in a moment there's worst case scenario. And yet the covenant of God moves right through the middle of it all, 100%. And right now your life might feel like that. And I wish I had a pile of papers. Pastor Ken would never forgive me. And I just throw them up in the air. And sometimes your life can feel all up there. I'm here to tell you that even in the midst of a really dysfunctional family unit, the covenant of God went right through the middle and fulfilled itself in those that it was meant to. Right now, no matter what fear you're facing, what trouble you're in, what affliction you're trying to get through because of the fear and the trouble, God's covenant is working true 100%. Abraham, little phrase I wrote down here, doesn't matter how you got there, God's covenant is waiting there. Can you say amen? Friends, look at verse 9 of chapter 21. Verse 9 of chapter 21. Yeah, verse 9 and 10. There is a few family problems here. And the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she uh, had borne unto Abraham, mocking. He's mocking this about uh, Sarah uh, and her precious Isaac. Um, wherefore, she said unto Abraham, cast this bondwoman out. She doesn't call her, call, she calls her the worst thing she can call her, bar a curse word. Cast this bondwoman out. You can tell these ladies, you can tell these two women just aren't hitting it off. Ladies, can you say Amen. Now, you're all too spiritual here. I know that doesn't happen in Donnacloney. Wherefore, she said unto Abraham, Cast this bondwoman out and her son 
Friends, things were not good. These people were living under the same roof. Covenant of God right in the middle. These people are living under the same roof. Wherefore she said unto him, And cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be the heir with my son. Get him out and get her out. So there's family problems. Look at verse 17. And God, oh, beg your pardon. There's big mistakes. Let me read from chapter 17 of Genesis just to fill in the story at the back back end. Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said to the Lord, Shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear a child? And Abraham said, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. So we have a head of the house who's made a mistake, who's trying to push his mistake in God's direction, You've got the woman of the house who started off the process that made the mistake, who now wants the mistake out of the house. You have all sorts of infighting. You have all sorts of, 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 of hatred and, and jealousy going on. You have all sorts of rejection going on. If you look at chapter 21 again in verse 14, this is vicious. I need you to understand the covenant of God is in the middle of all this mess. And Abraham rose up early in the morning... And he took the bread and a bottle of water and he gave it to Hagar and he put it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness. Now, I don't know about your your thoughts, but would it have killed Abraham to give her a camel and a month's supply? This This is pretty harsh. God had said, yes, let her go. But what did he do? He just put her in a place of complete abject rejection. He just said, there's a bag of water, there's a bit of bread, see ya. And and yet the covenant of God is living and breathing in all of this mess. So there's big mistakes and there's family problems and there's rejection. And for, for Hagar, there's isolation and there's desperation. Verse 15 and the water, when the water was spent, the bottle, and she cast the, the child under one of the shrubs, and she went and sat, her, uh, and sat her down under against him. This is verse 16, a good way off, as, she, uh, as it were a bow shot. For she said, I don't want to see him die. I don't want to see him die. Here's the covenant of God. Here's a complete mess of a situation, and it could be any kind of situation. It's just depicted in the family unit here. And here's this mess of a situation, and yet the covenant of God is meant to be working itself out. This is the worst case scenario for Hagar. There's no social security, there's no backup, there's no support. She's lost out on everything. But all, Ishmael's not really part of the covenant. Ishmael's not really the original plan. There's a phrase, be afraid, be very afraid. And that's where Hagar was. If it was Sarah and Isaac, God's going to deliver. But this was Hagar and Ishmael. What's going to happen? How powerful is the covenant? We know in verse 13, God says he's going to make 
Ishmael a nation. Listen to this, and you know what those Bible students listening to me. The Bible says in verse 16 that Hagar went and sat herself down a good way off. She's crying her eyes out, and she says, I don't want to see my son die. She's given up. And God says, I've heard the voice of the lad. In verse 13, God said, And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation. Be because he is thy seed. I know, Abraham, I know that Ishmael was not my choice. Ishmael is not my plan. My redemption is not going to come through him. But because there is a tenuous, thin line between you and him, and you represent my covenant, I am going to bless that boy. There is the thinnest of lines, born out of a mess of a situation. But because there is just a touch of the covenant in that boy's life, just a tiny, minute touch of the covenant of God in that boy's life, even though it wasn't my plan, even though he's not my perfect will, even though, even though, even though, just because there's a touch, I am going to bless that boy. Friends, somebody becomes a millionaire in a family unit and they bless the rest of the family. They're still the millionaire and everyone else gets blessed. God's covenant is so potent, so powerful, that even in the midst of this circumstantial mess where there's hurt and isolation and breakdown and all sorts of stuff and mistakes going on, even in the middle of it, even in the middle of it, because there's even a touch of covenant in Ishmael's life, his connection to Abraham, God's covenant is so powerful, so anointed, so potent that God delivers the lad. He doesn't hear her mother. Forgive me, ladies. He doesn't hear the mother crying. Some of you know this. He doesn't hear her crying. She can cry all day. God won't hear it. This is Old Testament. God didn't hear her cry. He heard the cry of the boy. The boy was lying under the bush crying. And God heard his cries because the boy had a touch of the covenant on him. I want to tell you something right now. You don't have a touch of the covenant on you. You are complete in him who is the head and not the tail. You are the righteousness of Christ. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. You, by the blood of the Lamb, you are not part of the plan. You are the plan. You're not a reason. You're the reason why he came. Ishmael is delivered. Hagar is delivered. Ishmael becomes a nation. He isn't even God's choice. He isn't, he, he isn't even, he's only tenuously connected to the covenant. But the covenant is so powerful that God still blesses the socks off him and blesses the socks off Hagar. Friend, you are not, you are not touched with a wee touch of the covenant. 
The Bible says that the Holy Ghost has come and he's indwelt in you. Do you know what he said to Hagar? With reference to Ishmael in verses seven or 18 to 20. I'll just pull these phrases out for this because time slipped. He said to her, arise. Ladies, listen to me. Men, you too. He said to her, hold him. He said, I will make him. He opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well that suddenly appeared. And when you're under stress, it's time to get into worship and praise because when you're stressed, you can't see the answer. The phrase is, you can't see the wood for the trees. And God promised and proved that he would be with the lad. Jordan's 19. Don't ever, ever tell them what I'm about to tell you. Promise? I'm not confident. He's 19 years of age. I'm not embarrassed about this, neither is he. He still, I said this to somebody the other day. Whenever he's in not in too late, because 19, they tend to come in late, drives around. My wife prays, he drives. You know how it goes. And he'd be lying there, and I, I will unashamedly go in, and if he's there... I say, son, I love you. I'll kiss him on the forehead. And I say, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'll text him during the day. How are things going? I love you. Praying for you. God's covenant would make that act and any act like it miserable. He loves you to bits. Whether you're just a somebody seeking him, whether you're a poor person, and whether you're a righteous person who's actually got their act together for once, and you think things, and then you're afraid you're going to lose it all. You know how it goes. He hears you every time. You aren't, you don't have, you do not have a tenuous connection to the covenant of God. You have it all. Every bit of it. He loves you with all his heart. Every time you lay your head to rest, he watches. He looks. The Bible says that he, he and with this I close, the Bible says, I feel that, that time anyway, but the, the Bible says that his thoughts for you cannot be numbered. I'm going to give you homework. Go home and get a calculator. If his thoughts cannot be numbered, do you know what I can number? I can number how many seconds there are. I can number, there's 60 seconds in a minute, Yeah? And I can multiply 60 by 60, so that's how many seconds there are in an hour. And then I can multiply that number by 24 hours. Then I can multiply that number by uh, uh, 365 days. And you can work out by going through that process that there's something like several million seconds in a year. And the Bible says his thoughts toward you cannot be numbered. That tells me that like a 100-meter race where they break it down to hundreds of a second, God not only thinks about you every second, he thinks about you in between each second. You cannot number the thoughts he has toward you. He loves you. You do not have a bit of the covenant like Ishmael. You have the whole covenant. No matter whether you're in a fear place, in a trouble place, or an affliction place. He's going to hear you. And he's going to deliver you. I'm going to ask Gary, would you come up please? I want to finish the way we started. In worship. Just about on time. 